Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Self-care is something that is incredibly misunderstood in today's society. In order to recognize that, as women created by a good father, we're worthy of holy, holistic self-care, we have to reject the lies that today's culture has fed us when it comes to talking about self-care. It took me a very long time to put healthy habits into place in my own life because I thought that self-care was shameful. But authentic self-care has the potential to become who God is calling us to be. It's not just about a spa day or treating ourselves. By committing to holistic self-care that appreciates every aspect of our humanity, we're actually praising God and becoming better stewards of the gifts that he's given us. I cannot wait to share today's conversation with you, and I hope it encourages you to take care of yourself and see yourself as God sees you, as his beloved daughter. We are welcoming to the podcast Julia Hogan. She is an author of a new book that just came out with our Sunday visitor called It's Okay to Start With You, and it's a book that tackles the topic of self-care, and that's a topic that is very much misunderstood in today's culture, especially for women. So welcome to the show, Julia. So glad to have you on for this conversation, which I think is definitely needed in today's society. Hi, Chloe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here today. So before we dig into the topic of self-care, Julia, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure. Yes. So I am a psychotherapist and I work in a private practice out in the suburbs of Chicago. And um, I did my training at the Institute for the Psychological Sciences, which is a graduate school in Arlington, Virginia. And it specializes in integrating the Catholic faith with the practice of therapy, which is really cool and really unique. So I did my training there and um, I've just become really, really passionate about helping people see how faith and psychology blend together and that they're not butting heads and that their, you know, psychology can help you heal and live a better life and live your best life and to, you know, doing that through therapy and and to not be afraid of therapy um, because I know a lot of people are. So those are kind of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And, you know, my life as a Catholic woman is very much trying to, you know, it's always a learning process, right? I feel like you never actually get to a point where you can say, okay, I've got it all figured out, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always that back and forth. And so for me, it's just figuring out ways that I can better live my faith, but in everyday life. And whether that's in my prayer life, whether that's in my work with my clients, whether or not they're Catholic um, or Christian. And it's also figuring out how do I, how do I live the message of Jesus in my everyday life with who I interact with, whether it's someone at like Target, you know, or yeah. it's someone, a family member, a friend. Um, but it's just kind of like that constant recalibrating and finding balance, I think, for me. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that about being Catholic, how we can never learn all that there is to know about the Catholic faith, and we're not going to reach perfection until we reach heaven. And so, yeah, it very much is a constant process of, of fine-tuning our life with Christ, for sure. Oh, totally. Right now I'm reading a uh, reflection on St. Teresa of Lisieux, and she's my confirmation saint. So she's someone that's been really dear to me for a really long time now. Yeah. And with this reflection that I'm reading, it's the 33 days to, ooh, it's the Divine Mercy Consecration. I can't remember the name of it. Merciful Love by Father Gately. Yes, that one. So Mm -hmm. I'm reading that one. And he is just diving deep into all of her writings and her spirituality. 
in a way that I've never read before. And it's just so eye opening. So here's, you know, here's a saint that I thought I knew really well. And then I'm reading this book and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, there's so much depth here. And I'm like discovering something I never knew about it. So I think that really like hits home to your point of just, you know, there's something new always to discover about our faith. And we never get to that point where we know it all, which is probably a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Another thing that I have found in my life alongside my Catholic faith that I've been learning about a lot lately has been self-care. And Mm self-care seems to be a buzzword in today's society that is usually associated with things like, oh yeah, take a spa day or oh, make sure to like get yourself a bar of chocolate at the grocery store. But that's not an accurate representation of self-care. So before we talk about wholesome, holy health um, self-care, can you share some of the common misconceptions that women have regarding what self-care is and what excuses have you seen women use when it comes to just not take care of themselves? Sure. Yes, definitely. Um, so I have a Google alert set up for the term self-care. Yeah. And so every day I get emails and I have to tell you probably, you know, emails that show articles about self-care that come up. And I have to say like 90, 90% of the articles that I see uh, are promoting something like self-care is exactly what you said, Chloe, going and getting a manicure, taking a spa day, going on vacation, doing a face mask. And it's just very temporary, like quick fixes that don't mm-hmm. last a long time. And so I, I can understand why a lot of people, you know, hear the term self-care and they think you kind of have that like visceral, visceral, visceral reaction of like, oh, I don't want to do that. That seems Mm -hmm. frivolous or silly, or why would I take time to do something like that? And um, so, you know, that kind of feeds into those common misconceptions you asked about, which I think the main ones are self-care is selfish. Um, Self-care is something I don't have time for. And I think another one is self-care is just a quick fix. It's not an authentic fix. And I think those are kind of the three that really come up a lot of times when I'm talking to people about self-care, whether those are my clients uh, in therapy or friends, family, or people that I'm giving workshops to. So those are kind of the three that come up. And then I think, you know, they're all interrelated, but they all, they all stem from that idea of, you know, self-care isn't for me because of, you know, these reasons, you know, I don't have the time or it's selfish or it's a quick band-aid fix. It's not really authentic. And, uh, and that can, I think, really hold you back from seeing what authentic and true self-care is, if that makes sense, right? Because you're kind of putting it, boxing it into this category and saying, well, no, this is just sort of like a selfish, indulgent thing. And so it's not for me because that's, you know, my goal in life is not to be selfish and indulgent. So I'm, that's not an option for me. And so I think then it precludes all of the benefits of what real self-care is because this kind of pop culture definition of it is floating around right now because it's a really popular topic right now. Yeah, there's definitely a market like when it comes to commercialism on self-care for sure. Oh, yeah, I think skincare is a huge example of that. You know, I see so many articles about, you know, like your self-care skincare routine and how taking care of your skin is a form of self-care, which I think it's true to a certain extent, but it's not the end all and be all if that makes sense. And it's also too like not valuing women as holistic too it's like oh you're just your body or you're just your skincare routine and instead of like self-care goes is much more than just skin deep for sure oh yeah 100 percent. and i think that's something that you know 
it's kind of that double standard maybe that goes around where you, you know, you hear like beauty is, is more than just on the surface, but then you're hit with all of these messages of, are you using like the 10 step Korean skincare routine? Or, you know, are you using this makeup? Are you, I don't know, like contouring or something Mm -hmm. to, you know, look a certain way. And so I think that tension is there of, yeah, okay, no, I'm supposed to value myself for who I am as a whole person. But I'm getting these messages about, you know, like my self worth. And if I really cared about myself, then I would, you know, take care of you know, I would buy this eye cream or I would do these face masks or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So the idea, I think, it's in some ways of, of self-care because of how much commercialism is wrapped into it or these misconceptions about it can make a lot of women uncomfortable. So what is authentic self-care and how does practicing self-care open us up to receive God's love for us even more as Catholic women? Real authentic self-care is an external sign of how you view yourself internally. So, for example... You know, we were just talking about skincare, and I think if you if you have this sense of who you are as a daughter of God and what you're called to be and that you're loved by God, you are you see yourself in a different light than if you think of yourself as someone who's worthless, someone mm. who can't do anything right, who will never be perfect, who you know, why would anyone like me? Why would anyone hang around me? Right. And I think, you know, those are very extreme examples, but I think you can see, you know, if if I'm, if I'm not feeling good about myself, if I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest woman in the room, or I'm not the prettiest woman, or I'm not the most accomplished woman. And, you know, so I just don't measure up. I'm, that's gonna, that's gonna show externally. And that's gonna show in how I carry myself, even like my posture, how I interact with other people, I might, you know, feel like, well, I don't have a voice in, in, you know, at my job, or I don't have a voice in my family or in my relationships. And so I'm, you know, I feel like I'm giving in all the time, or I feel like no one's hearing me or my relationships aren't healthy, or why should I get enough sleep? Like, how is that going to benefit me anyway? Right? Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't deserve to get enough sleep. Or why should I focus on eating right or exercising properly? Because what's the point? I don't really like myself. And so why would I want to invest the time in myself? Authentic self care is recognizing your true sense of self worth, right? And that true sense of self worth, like I mentioned in the beginning is being a daughter of God and that God loves you right now as you are. And that includes you not being perfect right now, right? Because we're always on that quest for becoming better and better versions of ourselves. But God isn't saying, oh, well, I'll love you when you're perfect or I'll love you when you get that job or I'll love you when you're in a relationship that you're happy. And he's saying, I love you right now, even though you're struggling with things, even though you feel like you don't have everything together. But here's my love. This is why you exist, because I love you. And you need to embrace that love, right? Don't push it away. Don't deny it. Embrace it. And I think when we learn to recognize, oh, my gosh, God really loves me right now. He's not he's not conditional in that sense. You know, I think sometimes we think of human relationships and sometimes how messy they can be with, you know, love and feeling like, oh, someone doesn't love me enough because I'm not smarter. I'm not funnier. I'm not kinder. I'm not prettier. But that doesn't you know, none of that really matters to God. He loves you as you are. And I think if we if we really believed that, like we truly believe that God loved us unconditionally right now, I think we would be like radiating light from within. You know, yeah. I think that we would look and we would see like, I am so confident in who I am because God loves me. I know that I deserve, you know, that he's called me to do something and in order to be the best at whatever he's called me to do, 
that I need to take care of myself. I deserve to get enough sleep so I can go do what he's called me to do, or I deserve to be in healthy relationships, or I deserve to take care of the stress and the anxiety and the worry that's holding me back. I deserve to tackle those things. And that's the category that self-care then comes into in the sense that if I have this internal conviction, I live it out externally through self-care. And I think when you think about self-care that way, you can really see that it's a discipline. Yeah. It's not easy to go to bed early or it's not easy to, you know, make a salad instead of running out for takeout or it's not easy to say no sometimes in relationships, right? Like if, you know, um, I don't know if a friend is asking you to do something that really you just like can't do because you don't have the bandwidth or you don't have the time or the energy, but you feel pressure to say no, sometimes it's hard to say no to those things. So really self-care is a discipline and it's far from this, you know, self-indulgent, lazy, I'm just going to like cancel all my obligations and do a face mask and ignore the world type of practice, right? Like those are two very different things as you can see. There's a song by Amanda Cook called Pieces. And I love this line where she says like talking about how the Lord loves us. And the line is you don't give your heart in pieces and you don't hide yourself to tease us. And sometimes, you know, messy humans can love us that way, but the Lord doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like he loves us 100%, all of us, like messy parts and all. And so I think it's so beautiful to begin by loving yourself like as you are a daughter of God, because that doesn't, it's not something like your belovedness isn't something that's like you said, it's not something that's wrapped up into your job or your vocation or what you're doing or what your nine to five looks like. It's the fact that you exist, you're loved into existence by God. And so beginning to love ourselves like that is such a huge step when it comes to honoring what God has made through us. Yeah, I agree. I really think it can be life changing when you see yourself in that light. I think because you know, like you said, that that sense of like human relationships can be messy. And I think we tend to forget that God isn't that he's perfect. And so yeah. he doesn't have original sin, obviously. And so I think we tend to put God into the category of human relationships, but really he's above it all. And that is like, so reassuring, you know, in that sense, too, that you don't have to worry about proving yourself to God because he, you know, he loves you and he wants you to be, become better and better. Of course, you know, I'm not saying sit back and don't try to improve your life, (laughs) but I am saying that I think sometimes we feel like we need to prove our worthiness to God. And, you know, that's kind of the whole point of him loving us unconditionally is that we don't have to prove ourselves to him, you know, that we don't have to check off certain boxes or achieve certain things. And so I think, you know, to tie it back to self-care and that discipline of self-care When you recognize your true worth, you say, okay, you know, if God really loves me, I need to, I need to respect that in a sense, right? And take care of myself. But I think also one point I really want to make, Chloe, is that when you practice self-care, it's not about having the perfect self-care routine. It's not about, you know, um, having like a really restrictive schedule or, you know, that your whole life has to turn around because I think that's the opposite of what authentic self-care is. And I think it's really this, it's a process, right? Which I know sometimes is cheesy. Sometimes I say that, I'm like, I sound like a therapist. (laughs) But it's true, you know, that our life is a process and it is a journey and we're constantly figuring things out and self-care falls under that category for sure. You know, you're, it's taking one step at a time and figuring out what do I need? How can I be better? And how can I make that change? But it's not about I have to have the perfect self-care routine. It's not about 
I have to have the same routine as someone else. It's knowing who you are and what you need and tailoring that. Like I'll give you an example. I think for some people, the idea of doing a face mask or taking a bubble bath, if you're stressed and you need to just like relax and calm down, that can be really helpful for some people. But I think for other people, they need to go out and go for a run or they need to call a friend and vent. And so I think it's, it's about finding out what you need to help you become the better version of yourself and not what someone else needs that sounds cool or looks, you know, fun, but really you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it goes just back to an appreciation of like who God made you to be because God didn't make us all the same. Like there's a reason that there wasn't a cookie cutter mold when he created human beings. And so it makes sense that each of us would have a unique self-care plan. Yeah. And I think that, you know, once you let go of those expectations that you have to have a certain plan or that your life has to look a certain way and that you just need to focus on what you need, I think that can be really freeing because then you're able to say, okay, what do I need for where I am in my life right now, knowing, you know, who who's important to me in life, what I'm called to do, you know, what I believe, all those things. And I think then the puzzle pieces fall into place rather than when you feel like you need to meet a certain expectation in life when it comes to self-care or really anything. But, you know, I think it's letting go of that expectation of perfection and then that expectation of that you have to look like everyone else you know in the sense of what you what you do for self-care or you know how you approach your faith or you know anything like that Mm -hmm. so when women are listening I know for me in this conversation it's like okay I've got going to bed down like at a good time that's good but my eating habits I know could use some work so when it comes to women who are listening how what are some practical steps when it comes to assessing where we're at in the moment and where the self-care where their self-care plan is right now so I put together in my book in this first, the first section of the second part of the book. Yeah. So like part one, section A, maybe we could say, <laughs> um, I put together a self-assessment and what I did is I just put together a series of true and false questions. You know, you just answer true or false and they're broken into the different categories that self-care falls into. So I took a look at physical self-care, emotional self-care, mental self-care, spiritual self-care and then self-care and relationships and broke those down into little subtopics, you know, so physical, for example, physical self-care, your eating habits, sleeping habits, exercise, body image, and then, you know, for mental uh, self-care, looking at what worries do you have? How does that affect you with relationships to looking at your boundaries and, you know, your, your take on relationships? And then what I do is I have you tally up your true and false answers. And then that gives you a really clear picture of, A, here are the areas where I'm doing really well, right? Because not we're not all disasters when it comes to self-care. I think we already have self-care practices in place. We might not call it self-care, yep, but we have it in place. And then it also highlights the areas that are what I would call the pain points. So you may look at the assessment and think, oh, wow, okay, I thought I was okay on sleep, but I'm really not. You know, I'm, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I say I'm going to bed at, you know, 11, and 11 p.m., but really by the time I fall asleep, you know, after I stop scrolling through my phone and I run out of things on Instagram, I'm falling <laughs> asleep at like 1230, mm-hmm. and then I'm waking up at 6, so really I'm not getting, you know, the 6 to 7 hours I thought I was. It's more like 4 and a half or 5, or 5, 5 and a half. Um, can't do math. That's not my strong point. <laughs> um <laughs> Not one of the gifts I was blessed with. Uh, <laughs> You're in good anyway. company. <laughs> so I think, 
you know, it can really highlight for you the areas that you're doing well. And I really wanted, I really wanted to include that in the assessment because my goal is to empower you and not to discourage you mm-hmm. in that assessment and in the plan. And so then, so to see where you're doing well, to acknowledge that because that's very true and awesome that, you know, you're already doing that. And then to look and say, okay, so where are the areas where I'm not doing well? And so I know that I can kind of start focusing on those areas and bringing back some more balance to that area of life. Yeah, I love how comprehensive that assessment is. There's nothing left out or things that I hadn't even considered, like self-care in in relationships or self-care in my mental health, where it was easy to get caught up in that why that like self-care is just about how I take care of myself physically, but it's so much more complex than that. And how that assessment just puts it all out there on the page. And it's just, yeah, circling true or false, true or false. And it's just a really good way to hold that I found to hold myself accountable to the self-care that I was and was not giving myself to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's a good point just to kind of it distills everything for you. And I think, like you said, gives you gives you food for thought, because when you go through the assessment, you look and you say, just what you were saying, Chloe, you know, something will come up and you'll think, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about that as self care, but it totally is. And, you know, and I think then too, you know, hopefully also can help you see how you've already been practicing self care as well. A season of women's life that I've seen self-care become a really a struggle for is a season of being a mother. Um, so mm-hmm. how how can we combat the lie that we're not worth taking care of ourselves, especially when we have little people who rely on us um, and we're it's easy to get wrapped up in taking care of them, but then to forget taking care of ourselves too? I think that is just like, it's so hard because I think, again, to go back to, you know, when you and I were just talking about expectations, and I think there's just so many expectations surrounding motherhood Mm -hmm. that are out there about being, you know, the perfect mom and the best mom. And I think it's totally overwhelming. And I think discouraging. And I think it's easy to look and say, I don't, I can't even, you know, like, I (laughs) I can't even do it. Um, And so I think, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, when I'm working with new moms, or when someone who's a new mom asks me a question about self care, and I think the most important thing to remember is that it's not about being perfect, right? It's not about being the perfect mom. And it's not about taking care of yourself perfectly. Because I think that it is like a constant reevaluation of where you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, because I for example, I think sleep is one that I just, you know, is an easy one to go to. And I think that when you're a new mom, you don't get, you can't get seven hours <laughs> of sleep a night, right? right? You can't get like seven to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. And so I think when you are thinking about what does self-care look like as a new mom, it's not saying I have to get seven to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep because that's not reality, mm-hmm. right? That's not, and you know, it's not going to be for the rest of your time as a mother, it, but it's going to be for, a, you know, a concentrated set of time, you know, depending on your baby and how they, how it's, you know, he or she sleeps and what kind of sleeper and all of that fun stuff. And so I think it's looking and saying, okay, right now for me in this season of life, seven to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep is, is I would love to have that, but I can't have that right now. Mm-hmm. And so how can I find ways to help balance out the stress that that's going to manifest in your life? Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to be tired. So what are some ways that you can kind of help to at least create some buffer between you know, your lack of sleep and the impact it has on you and being creative in those moments. And so I think it's self-care, especially for new moms, is finding that balance between real life and and kind of where you want to move towards, but thinking in those like baby steps or modification type ways. And I think, you know, it's 
moms always talk about like mom guilt and not wanting to take time for themselves because their kids need them. They want to spend time with their kids. They love their kids. And I think it's that constant reminder of if I can take 10 to 15 minutes and go read a book or go for a quick walk or whatever it is that you find restorative, if I can go do that, I know that when I come back to, you know, it's 15 minutes away from my kids or it's 20 minutes away from my kids. But I know that if I go do that and then I come back to see them, I'm going to feel refreshed. I'm going to feel revived. I'm going to feel like I am better at being present for my kids than if I'm just tired and feeling resentful because I can't get any time for myself. So, you know, I think it's reminding yourself of the payoff of that. It's 15 to 20 minutes away from your kids, but then the rewards are so much greater because your kids learn that, you know, okay, I, you know, they learn independent play or they learn that, you know, mom needs to take care of herself too. And I think that that's something that just as in my work as a therapist and working with kids and teens and just, you know, I never really thought about it before until I was working as a therapist, but that we don't really get a lot of, I guess, lessons in emotional health, emotional well-being, taking taking care of ourselves from school or when we're little. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. I think we don't hear, oh, you know, mom is tired, she needs to take a nap or mom is stressed, she needs a couple minutes to herself or she just needs to take some time for herself. And I think that, you know, as as moms now, being able to model that for your children is actually like a huge gift because not only are you taking care of yourself, but you're sending that message to your kids that I value myself as a person and I know that in order to be the best mom to you, I need to take care of myself first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that I can take care of you. And someone brought up the, um, when I was talking to them about self-care, they brought up the oxygen mask analogy yep. when you're flying in planes, right? And they yep. tell you if you're traveling with small kids, put on your oxygen mask first and then put it on your child so that you can help them, right? Because if if the pressure in the cabin drops and you put the oxygen mask on your baby first or your child first and then you don't have the mask on and you, there's suddenly like no air in the plane or whatever, your child's not going to be able to help you put the mask on and then where are you, right? right. They're, they're without your help, without your support, they're going to be scared, they're going to be frightened and you can't be there for them. And so if you put your mask on first, then you're able to, to be more fully present right there to help your child. And so I think self-care fits really nicely into that analogy where you put your oxygen mask on first and then you can help your kids. And the payoff is so much greater than if you, if you kind of try to just like push through and soldier on and, and you just got to try to make it work. You know, I think that that ends in just feeling drained, tired, and resentful. Let's talk about mental health, especially this applies definitely to women in a season of, of being a mother, but it also applies to just women in general too. What role does mental health play in self-care? Um, and that assessment you talk about, like how am I using social media? Um, what way am I talking about myself? Am I taking time for holy leisure just for myself, maybe on the weekend or on the weeknights, how can having a good handle on our mental health or being aware of our mental health help us when it comes to self-care as women? Yeah, I think that is, you know, every area is important. So I'm always tempted to say like, this is the most important area, but they're all important. (laughs) Um, But you know, mental health is very important. And I think, you know, to tie it back to in my book, I have a chapter or two on what's called the inner critic. And that's that voice inside your head that tells you you're not good enough, that tells you you'll never 
be better and you'll always be a terrible person, right? It's, it's a very cruel voice and it uses a lot of black and white statements and all or nothing and, um, you know, you'll, you'll never be able to make it. No one will ever really love you and, you know, all those awful things, right? Mm-hmm. And so mental self-care is a way of facing that head on and saying, you know, this inner critic in my head, I've been treating it as something that's telling me gospel truth, you know, everything that it says is true, but really they're all lies. You know, God loves me unconditionally and he's not sitting there whispering in my head, you'll never make it, you'll never be good enough. Right. And so those lies are, you know, we hear them in our heads and we, we treat them as truth and then we respond to them as if they were true. Right. Like I gave that example of you earlier, if you don't think you're good enough, it's going to manifest itself externally and in just like how you hold yourself and interact with other people and, you know, kind of in those sort of like implicit ways. Mental self-care is all about challenging that inner critic and proving it wrong. I think social media is a great example. I think that social media itself is very neutral. I think how we use it is what turns it into something that's helpful or not helpful. And so when you're, you know, I'm I like Instagram. That would be my social media of choice, I'd yeah. say. Um, and so when I'm scrolling through things, things can either be really uplifting where I'm seeing beautiful pictures, I'm reading inspiring quotes, I'm reading about cool things that, you know, all these amazing women are doing that I'm following. And But then there are things too that I might scroll through and I might see something and start falling into that comparison trap, right? Where I'll look at something that someone posts and I'll think like, oh, that's so cool. Like, that didn't happen to me or I haven't gotten there yet or I wish I could do that. And then you start to feel sort of icky about yourself, right? Like, oh, well, I didn't do that. So I'm not as successful as that person or I'm not as, you know, I'm not as cool as that person or whatever. <laughs> and I think then it, it falls into social media kind of falls into that not helpful territory because then it's feeding that inner critic of you're not good enough. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. You know, you're, your job isn't this amazing job where you're traveling all over the world or, you know, you don't have the most like amazing office in the city and that's like fabulous and fantastic right? or whatever it may be. So I think, you know, with social media, just being mindful of how is it making you feel is really important. And I think even going into it, it's a, I guess this feeds into self-care being a discipline, but you know, when you're, before you open up your social media kind of reminding yourself, I'm using this space to inspire me, to help me become a better person, to grow, um, you know, to laugh or to have fun. I'm not going on here to beat myself up about how I'm not perfect. And so then I think, you know, one thing that I recommend and that I've done myself is going through and just doing a social media cleanse of the accounts that I follow. So, you know, if an account is not uplifting or if it's something that I think can tap into a negative side of things that I don't think is healthy for me I'll just unfollow them um and then I think your your social media then becomes this place that like feeds and nurtures you becoming a better version of yourself rather than chipping it away chipping away at your sense of self-worth when we talk about self-care for women specifically women who are christian who are catholic what what is the importance of a daily prayer life when it comes to self-care and kind of tapping into that aspect of a routine how can we go about establishing a prayer life routine in our daily lives yes so i think that you know having a regular spiritual life is really important all for many different reasons but i think you know 
in the context of self-care, if self-care is that external expression of how we view ourselves internally, our sense of self-worth, and if our sense of self-worth is coming from God's unconditional love for us, a regular spiritual life, regular prayer life keeps that line of communication open between us and God, right? It's reminding us of God's love for us. It's reminding us that He cares about us and, you know, to keep that communication of how can I grow? How can I be better? What are you calling me to do, God, you know, today? Um, you know, who I'm interacting with or big picture stuff too. And so I think that when you foster a regular prayer life or spiritual life on a daily basis, you are honoring the source of your self-worth, right? right. And you are, you are placing it at the center of your life. And so when you do that on a daily basis, it's so much easier to keep in mind than if it's something that you acknowledge, you know, once and then forget about it. And then a month later you think like, oh yeah, like I'm supposed to be keeping this in mind, right? <laughs> um, so it's keeping it top of mind too. And I think then also deepening that conviction that you have. And, you know, I didn't say it earlier, but I think it's still still relevant to mention now that, you know, if self-care is your external expression of how you're feeling inwardly, there's also kind of this side part of, you know, but what if I don't feel that way? What if I don't really believe that God loves me? And so I talk about in my book how practicing self-care kind of like as if you really did, you know, have that sense of self-worth and were convicted in it. Yeah. It kind of helps to nurture and grow that flame inside of you so that there's kind of this like sort of like a fake it till you make it approach if you think about it that way. Because if you've been living your life saying, I'm not worth it, I'm not worth the time taking care of myself or being in healthy relationships or managing stress or taking care of my mental health, then, you know, you're living your way, your life that way accordingly. But if you say, okay, so I don't feel like I'm worthy or loved by God. But if I treat myself as if I am, I'm giving myself the opportunity to learn what it's like to live that way and to start to believe it more and more. And it's a slow process, but I think it's kind of amazing how, you know, if you say, okay, I don't believe it now, but I'm going to kind of act on faith and that God loves me and that he wants me to be my best version of myself. And so I'm going to do it. And then you start to, you're basically like making room in your heart to experience that, right? You're kind of creating that space instead of crowding it out with all these inner critic and self-defeating statements. You're kind of cleaning that out and making room to see, oh my gosh, when I get enough sleep, when I take care of my mental health, I actually kind of like myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see the good that I can do. I see the talents that God has given me. I'm excited to use them and I'm not afraid and I'm not intimidated and I'm not you know, feeling like I'm the odd person out in the world because I don't have a strong sense of self. And so I think there's like that like fake it till you make it approach. And so I think that can apply to to your spiritual life, right? Where you might say like, okay, I don't really feel that strong sense of God's love, but I am going to commit to some kind of daily prayer, spiritual practice to give my chance myself the chance to experience God's love, right? Because with any relationship, you think about there's always that like getting to know you process, right? Mm-hmm. Like very rarely do we find those friends where we're instant best friends. There's like the small talk and then there's finding out you have things in common and then it's, you know, hanging out and all of that. And I think it's the same thing with our relationship with God because 
it's a back and forth, right? And right. you have to start by establishing those lines of communication, and then your prayer life will grow and deepen the better you get to know God, and then you'll have that room in your heart to experience his love. I love how it's also a routine that's not built on on feelings because our feelings will change. Like there will be days where you're having a, a great prayer life and you can definitely feel the presence of God. And then there'll be dry seasons where you don't feel his presence at all. But if you're practicing a routine prayer life and sh- keep showing up and letting yourself be seen regardless of how you feel about it, I think there's such a beauty and consistency there and that vulnerability, even when it doesn't feel like something that's good. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's that just, you know, commitment. And I think when you're, you have that relationship with God. It's not about what can he give me or what can he do for me, right? It's that, you know, just keeping those lines of communication open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Julia, for you, what is your, what does your self-care routine look like? And what did you discover about your own self-care when you were in the process of writing? It's okay to start with you. Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, I think that I have to say, you know, that self-care, like I said earlier, isn't, about being perfect. And so I think for me, even as I was writing the book, I wanted, I made sure to include in there that, you know, while I am very passionate about this topic and I I know a lot about the topic, I am also on my self-care journey. You know, I don't have it all figured out. I'm constantly figuring out better ways to practice self-care. And so I think, you know, sometimes I think people read the book and think, oh my gosh, she has it all figured out, right? Like she is, she's got it. I got her plan. And, um, you know, but there are areas that I'm not really great in. And so, you know, for example, I, um, I had a really busy week last week and I definitely skipped lunch a couple of times and I was talking to my boyfriend about it and I said, you know, I, I, I didn't have time to eat lunch. And he said to me, he said, didn't you read your book? Didn't you like <laughs> write about not skipping lunch in there? And like, you have to practice what you preach. And I was like, I know. Oh my gosh. So there is that constant like reminding yourself that you, you have to keep, keep moving forward and keep making those adjustments. Um, so not perfect about eating lunch all the time, but I really, really try. <laughs> it's a hard um, one. But um, so things that I do, I think, tend to fall into the category of like maybe unexpected sources of self-care, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. or things that you may not typically think of. Um, So for example, I will schedule, um, so I'll see clients during certain windows of time and I don't schedule anyone outside of those windows. So for example, if someone, you know, calls me and says, okay, I, I can't, you know, I have to cancel my appointment, but can you get me in earlier on this day? And if it's not a slot I normally have, um, I say, you know, I'm not able to, and I offer them a different time because I think it's easy to say, oh, sure, I'll, I'll schedule you in. But then if I do that, that means that all the other things that I have planned that are important, you know, to also do get kind of jumbled and, and pushed aside. And so I think, you know, keeping a schedule is really helpful. It's, I guess, a form of maintaining boundaries. And I think that's a form of self-care because you're saying, okay, being a therapist is a really important part of my life, but it's not the only part of my life. And so if I identify, you know, what is the, what are the timeframes during which I am the therapist and doing my work as a therapist, then it's, you're freer than to spend that other time doing other things that are also important to you. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I do um, is just, you know, with scheduling, 
and choosing times. Exercise is actually really important to me. I think I found that I sleep better when I exercise. Yeah. And that I just generally, it really is a mood booster, you know, so I think people, you know, like you read about it, and you're like, yeah, 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 exercise helps you feel better. But you really do feel better. You know, I tell my clients sometimes when they're, you know, we'll talk about how exercise is important and they're like, oh, I don't have time, I don't have to do this, or it's so hard to get to the gym. And I tell them, no one has ever regretted going to the gym. You know, right. like no one goes, like maybe you go and you and you don't want to be there, but you still work out anyway. And when you leave though, you're always glad you went. You always feel better because you we're moving your body, right? right? And so I think that's really true. I've experienced that in my own life. Whenever I go to the gym, whenever I go for a run, I just, I feel better. You know, I feel more, I think, confident in myself. I feel like I've moved my body instead of, you know, my job is very sedentary. So mm-hmm. it's good for me to get out and then move and, you know, especially to run outside and be in the sun and um, all of that. So I think that's really important. And then I also like to practice mindfulness, which is deep breathing. And I guess primary, there's all different forms of it. But the one I use the most is deep breathing. Um, there's a couple apps out there I really like. And I know that um, Dr. Bataro wrote a book on Catholic mindfulness, which is really good. So I think those are kind of like the, the good go-tos that I have, um, you know, with my own self-care. But like I said, it's it's kind of knowing what season of life you're in and adjusting your self-care practices to that. Yeah, absolutely. For listeners who want to learn more about how to establish their own self-care routine, where can they find your book? It's okay to start with you. Um, And do you have any resources or recommendations for just starting at the basics and building a self-care routine? For sure, yes. So my book you can find in two places. You can find it on the Our Sunday Visitor website, which is osvcatholicbookstore.com. And then you can also find it on Amazon. So if you just type in, it's okay to start with you in the search bar or my name, it'll come up there and you can see it. Name And there's a, the book, you know, the physical copy, but then you can also get a Kindle version too. So awesome. if you're, yeah, if you're a Kindle fan or an <laughs> e-reader fan, that would be the, the version for you. Um, and I think that one of the things, I talk about this a lot on my Instagram and then when I'm doing radio interviews and stuff. I talk about gratitude a lot because I think it's just, it kind of like, you know, it's a virtue and it's something that we strive to become better at, right? Or to incorporate in our lives. But it's also a self-care practice, practicing gratitude that has a lot of research-backed benefits. So it's like a cool, I think, integration of like faith and psychology, right? You know, where it's, you know, gra- we know gratitude is good to practice from our faith background, but we also know from research that that supports that belief too. So it's kind of like that cool, like faith and science coming together. <laughs> um, and so really like, so the research has found that people who practice gratitude and the, the study that I'm referencing was um, by Dr. Martin Seligman. So you can look him up if you want. Um, He's done some cool research in positive psychology, so growth-oriented psychology, which is neat. But he had um, his subjects do a gratitude list. So they just wrote every day a list of things that they were grateful for. And then um, at the end of the study, they reported a higher sense of well-being than the people who didn't do the lists. So it's a really simple practice, right? Just writing things down that you're grateful for. 
Um, but it reminds you of the positive things that are happening in your life. Cause I think sometimes it's easy for us to focus on the negative things that are happening or to look back on a day and think like, Oh my gosh, that was such a stressful day. Nothing good happened. Can't wait till it's over or so glad it's over. But if we stop and pause and think there's, I can guarantee you there are at least three things to be grateful for that day. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if they're small, tiny little things. Um, and so I encourage people to, at the end of every day to sit down and either think of three things or write three things down or jot it in the notes section of your phone, but identify three things that you were grateful for that day. And that I think really helps to remind you that there are good things happening in your life and, you know, that, that you're doing things right. You know, even if you feel like you haven't gotten it all figured out and there's room to grow, there are some things you're doing right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think I like it because it's a quick thing you can do. It's easy. I mean, it shouldn't take you, if you're quick about it, it shouldn't take you more than like a minute to do right. it, right? Yeah, so it's, very it's not like, you. you know, anybody with any busy schedule can find time to do that. And so the biggest, you know, I think that would be if someone wanted to get started on something related to self-care, I think that addresses the spiritual side of self-care as well as the emotional and the mental side of self-care. So you're kind of like addressing three different areas with that practice. And then I think for anyone getting started, the biggest things, and I talk about this in my book, is starting out small because, you know, we all have these awesome big goals that we want to achieve, but sometimes that can be overwhelming. And so the best place to start is making one small change, committing to that tiny change. And then once you've got that pretty well established, adding another tiny change in there too. And I do talk about that in my book and um, particular ways that you can design a goal so that when you implement it, you'll be successful at it and, you know, how to break down goals. And I include an action plan in there that I help you put together, you know, to make a self-care plan. So if you really kind of want to take more of a deep dive into that, it's in my book. Um, and the book just, you know, Chloe, you can kind of speak to your experience reading it, but it's something you can read fairly quickly. Like it's not, um, it's, you know, you're not committing to like a 400 page book. I think it's less than 200 pages actually. And there's a lot of writing space in there too. So it's a workbook kind of feel as well. And, um, so I think, you know, you can, you can read it and it's digestible and you can apply it to your own life very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved how and too, like you can focus on like, if you are really struggling with mental self care, you can flip to the mental self care area, read through it, see there are certain areas of my life and my self care plan that I knew needed a lot more work. And so being able to have that little bit of flexibility when it came to focusing on what I needed to focus on too. But yeah, it's very quick read. It's really beautiful and succinct. Um, and I loved how you can work out the just your thoughts in the, in the journaling spaces provided and the self-care plans that are in the book too, because it it was just, it's all right there. So it's definitely highly recommended. I found it to be, as someone who struggles with self-care, something that was very helpful for me, for sure. Oh, awesome. So good to hear. (laughs) Really, (laughs) truly, though, truly. (laughs) No, it's beautiful. It's a really beautiful job. And I think it's a book that definitely needs to happen because there have been some books that have tapped into a little bit more of the spiritual side of self-care, but there's nothing out there um, that really encompasses the Catholic worldview. And so this just really puts it all together really beautifully and it's, it's very good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think that's what really sets us apart is the fact that it's focused on the Catholic faith. And so I think someone who I I think it can help someone who's not Catholic too. like Mm -hmm. it's not um, the language is still very understandable in that way. I'm not, you know, using I actually don't use a ton of like um, Bible quotes or anything like mm -hmm. that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it really is the first book out there that tackles self-care, but from a Catholic perspective and from that, you know, what is the authentic 
deeper definition of self-care that works with your faith and your beliefs and is informed by it, right? And it's, it's not contradictory or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So Julia, this is the question that I used to, the last question I used to wrap up interviews. How do you live out the feminine genius as a woman who is striving for wholesome, holistic self-care? Ooh, that's a big question, <laughs> I know, save the hard ones for last. I'm sorry. <laughs> save the best for last. But I think that idea of like knowing your identity comes from God. Yeah. You know that mm-hmm. everything you do should be informed by God and his love for you. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it, but I think that's kind of the most helpful thing, kind of like a checkpoint of am I doing this because am I doing something because I want to or am I doing this because I I feel like I'm being called to do it in a certain way if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that that's kind of, you know, I think really um, one of the things that one of the, it's a, it's a Facebook group and then there's a blog too, but Femme Catholic. Yes. Yes. Um, Fantastic yes. resource. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And I think one of the things I really like about that group is that the women in there are so diverse and yes. they all have these amazing insights that they can share on different topics. And so for me, being part of that group and I think really thinking about like what does it mean to be a woman but a woman of God and you know how being strong and being um, you know ambitious can totally fit into that and I think recognizing your uniqueness and then how you can like live that out to make the world a better place has kind of been something that's been on my mind I would say for the past like two years um, is you know kind of an area of focus so I think that that constant reminder of what my my identity is and where it comes from and then how am I using that identity to do good in the world has been just, you know, kind of something that I've been reflecting out on on a, a daily basis really for yeah. for a while. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's such a, the feminine genius is so beautiful because it is so diverse and there's so many different ways that it can be lived out. So yeah, then the Fem Catholic group is fantastic and I'll link to that in the show notes. And it's been a, it's just been a wealth of knowledge, so definitely highly recommended too. Oh, yeah, totally. I think I, you know, I was telling someone the other day, I don't typically go on Facebook that much anymore. But it, when I go on, it's really to to go see what's happening with Femme Catholic, and then to check out like therapy groups that I'm in. It's so. <laughs> a good balance. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, Julia, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for sharing your story, your self-care story, um, and your story as a Catholic woman. But also thanks for – writing a book takes a lot of time and just for setting that aside and really being a, a resource to lead women to a better, more Catholic, full understanding of what self-care is. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Chloe. It was fun. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com. For the show notes for today's episode, there you're going to be able to find links to purchase Julia's book, It's Okay to Start With You, as well as links to any of the books and resources that we mentioned in today's episode. If you are an Apple user with a few minutes to spare, head over to iTunes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find this resource. That is all I have for today's episode. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, be not afraid.